0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins.
1: On and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up, Biden administration officials hitting the Sunday shows yesterday in response to April's anemic job growth numbers.
2: A lifeline, a survival, you know, lifeline for so many Americans. The number one reason now that people aren't going back to work is what you said, fear.
1: That was Secretary of Commerce Gina Raimondo on Face the Nation yesterday. Economists had predicted one million jobs would be added to the economy in April, driving unemployment down to 5.8 percent. It didn't happen. Just a little over 250,000 jobs were added. It was the biggest miss in history as unemployment rose to 6.1%. Could it be the economic policies the Biden administration has put in place that incentivize not returning to work? We'll talk about it with Congresswoman Jackie Walorski, a member of the House Ways and Means Committee. And the administration taking action today that will discriminate and punish medical professionals under the guise of anti-discrimination? The action will advance America's cultural psychosis, but put the lives of patients and the livelihood of medical professionals at risk. We'll get the details from Roger Severino, former director of the Office of Civil Rights at the Department of Health and Human Services. And a columnist for USA Today is calling on Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jerry Jones to boot the July Promise Keepers event from the Dallas stadium. Why? Because Promise Keepers president, Ken Harrison, is calling on men to stand up and act like men. Will Promise Keepers back down? I don't think so. Ken Harrison joins us later here on Washington Watch. And quite frankly, should we be surprised that advocating for biblical manhood is now in the crosshairs of the cancel culture? How should Christian men respond? And by the way, women as well. We're going to talk about it with David Clawson, director of the Center for Biblical Worldview here at the Family Research Council, later on Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you're on Gab, it's at Tony underscore Perkins. All right on Friday, the U.S. Labor Department released the April jobs report. And even Biden-friendly media outlets had to agree that it was disappointing. Not only did the U.S. economy bring back far fewer jobs than estimated in April, the unemployment rate also increased. But rather than admit that the report is a reflection of their policies, the Biden administration went out on the Sunday shows to try to defend it. Here's more. Of what the secretary of commerce had to say on face the nation
3: on unemployment there are a lot of people who believe that the unemployment relief that people are getting is hurting in the job market essentially people are keeping unemployment instead of going to look for work is there any discussion within the administration about t-
2: tweaking that
3: or doing anything to remove that as a, as a barrier to to jobs
2: Obviously, we are monitoring that. But at this point, there's nothing in the data which would suggest that that's the reason people are out of work. Uh, By the way, we have to remember that when the president moved to make this happen, this unemployment insurance has been a lifeline, a survival, you know, lifeline for so many Americans. The number one reason now that people aren't going back to work is what you said, fear. Or they can't find child care or schools are still closed.
1: The president also today defending the numbers, saying uh, no evidence to suggest that their policies uh, are to blame. Here's what he had to say. Our economy can't achieve its full potential until we get more people
4: vaccinated.
1: So the key is more vaccinations. But we just saw the president speaking to a joint session of Congress in which there were only 200 gathered in the House House auditorium, the House chambers that would fit 1,700, and they're all vaccinated. The messages are mixed. Joining me now to talk more about this, Congresswoman Jackie Lawarski. She is uh, she represents the 2nd District of Indiana, and she serves as a member of the House Ways and Means Committee. Jackie, welcome back to the program.
5: Thanks so much, Tony. It's an honor to be with you. And, you know, I, I, I'm shocked when I hear these statements from the president and from his administration we couldn't be farther from the truth. And, you know, I've seen this in my district around the state of Indiana. We're all we're about 85% open in Indiana. We would be 100% open if the employers, both the mom and pops and the large production and uh, the large companies, our RV companies and our boats and trailers and all the things that we produce, they can't hire. And so when I hear the president talk about it's not their policies, well, you show me somebody in the state of Indiana that can compete with the federal government and make $17.50 an hour staying home, and I'll show you the cause of the problem. We have got to get people back to work and drop that extension of that unemployment. It is literally paralyzing this country.
1: Uh, Jackie, I've heard the same thing as I have talked to business owners who are out looking for employees and saying, you know, we're 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 in, the government is incentivizing people not to work. When you're talking about Absolutely. this level of government unemployment being provided on top of other benefits that are being given right now.
5: That's right. I've never seen anything like it. So you know, one of the things that we offered through ways and means is we offered a go back to work bonus. Take sixteen take sixteen hundred dollars. Go back to work. Get back in the workforce. You know, in the state of Indiana, Tony, we've been back in school since October of last year. And, you know, when it comes to um, our workforce, our economy was zooming back. Our workforce was zooming back. This administration has not even been in power for six months, and they are destroying this economy. And, you know, I think it's very relevant that you're talking about this tonight because it is a family issue. The strength of the American family is under attack. Their left pocket and their right pocket are going to be picked by the U.S. federal government. And between uh, not being able to hire and the prices that are going through the roof as we see inflation hitting our state and our country by next summer, we're not going to recognize this place, Tony. And it has everything to do with the quality of life for American families. So I think it's really important that we talk about it and that we really start engaging on the bad policy coming out of Washington.
1: The Speaker Nancy Pelosi, her response to these anemic job numbers. Now, I just want people to understand what we're talking about here. They were predicting a million new jobs as we were continuing to run on the benefits of the the Trump tax cuts. Uh, the and then you know, of course, that was creating the lack of the uh, the reduction on regulations. The economy was was starting to move back after being shut down. Uh, but the numbers, instead of a million new jobs, it was a quarter of that, 250,000, 266,000 jobs. And th- this is horrendous because this is the lowest or the, the biggest miss they've ever made in these predictions. Nancy Pelosi said, oh, we just need more uh, programs. We need more government, which is the very thing that's weighing down the economic growth and uh, revitalizing of our economy.
5: Absolutely. You know, every single bill they have, Tony, that has come in front of, of, say, the the House, you know, they're all partisan. They've not invited Republicans to the table. You know, just six months ago, Tony, we were talking about billions. When we talked about budgets, we were talking about billions. Within six months, we are talking trillion dollars and not just spending trillions of dollars in deficits. And their answer to this whole equation has been. Let's throw money to people whose vote we can get, and let's hold them and keep them locked into this thing until next November. But I'm telling you what the American people, they're, the American people have their ears on. They're listening. They know what's happening here. They've seen this play before when uh, the, the uh, Obama administration was in and, and throwing money into the economy and not having good policy to fix it. I'm telling you, if we could work together, we could get on the other side of this, turn this thing around, and be looking at next year with COVID in the rearview mirror and the American dream in front of us, all of us in this country. That is not where we're going unless they stop what they're doing and allow us to come to the table.
1: Congresswoman Wolarski, don't you see part of this is they create a problem and then they claim to solve it? I mean, for instance, you heard the Secretary of Commerce saying, well, the reason um, is that people are fearful? They, they, they mothers can't work, return to the workforce because of schools, because of, and the president saying the vaccine. Look, all the teachers they've had the opportunity to be vaccinated, but yet you, there's evidence that uh, the CDC is collaborating with teacher unions to keep schools shut.
5: Well, I'll tell you what, elections have consequences, like you know. And I would tell these people across the country, if you're in a state that is shut down and your kids aren't back in school and your companies aren't reopening and nothing is happening, you're going backwards and you're stagnant, I would be calling up those local, I would be calling up those governors around this country and telling them exactly what needs to happen. And from one of their voters that can hold them accountable, we are in a dangerous situation in this country. And, you know, it scares me being on the Ways and Means Committee and seeing the numbers that we see and trying to envision getting through this summer without full employment back to work and then looking it next summer. With with just six months ago, under the Trump administration, we had the lowest unemployment we'd ever ever seen in any kind of category. And within six, not even six months, here we are looking at devastation because of horrible policy, partisan rhetoric, a left curve going off the spectrum where we've never been before as far as how left-handed these policies are. We have got to stand up and start taking this head on and having the American people putting pressure on the speaker and their own representatives. This is a fight that we better be in now and head this off or it's going to get out of control.
1: Congressman, you you were talking about how there's no collaboration. There's no sitting down. The president says he wants unity, but yet he's not talking. In fact, I think the first meeting took place today with some Republican leaders to discuss the infrastructure bill that's been out there for over a month and a half. But for every big government plan that the Democrats are putting out there that costs trillions, as you pointed out, and that's not an exaggeration, the Republicans have plans that fix the need, but without massive government spending. For instance, you talk about greater flexibility for parents in childcare. You've got a bill uh, that you introduced that would help with that without deficit spending and big government programs.
5: That's right. You know, allowing people to put more money aside that's tax free that they can use and they can direct. We've got money. There is money coming, uh, Tony, probably from five different pots right now, whether it's from the covid Democratic pots. Or policy that we're suggesting, which is allowing parents to save money in very creative ways and to use different tax credits to be able to pay for child care. But I'll tell you what, in the state of Indiana, where I represent in northern Indiana, our kids have been back in school, our families are going back to work, and we're to the point where if we don't cut those extension of the unemployment benefits from the federal level, that is literally ruining Families and it's ruining economies and, and local areas. If we don't do that and allow parents to get the help that they need, but get on with their lives, we're, we're hurting our country and we're going to provide, we're going to see so much damage that happens. It's going to be difficult to get back on top of it. You know, I just saw this weekend as I was driving through Indiana, gas is $3 hours a gallon. Well, bad policy, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, president uh, Biden, you know, killed the Keystone pipeline. The minute he got in office, it was one of his first executive orders. Now we have an attack on another pipeline, and here we sit with the president crippled, looking at a, a large loss. And you know, doesn't even move him to say, "Let's double down. Let's buckle down. Let's get serious about turning this country around. Let's get serious about this and get off the left-wing agenda." He has not done that, and I'm telling you, there is danger ahead. Republicans are doing as much as we can. We're filing good bills, Tony. They, they won't listen to our bills. They won't bring them down. But you know what? Having the advantage to sit and talk to the American people on your show gives us a great pipeline of information to Americans on how to turn this around. And we are fighting for them. We do have their back every single day. We continue this fight until we turn this around, which could be next November. But it will happen
1: can't be soon enough uh congresswoman walarski thanks so much for joining us jackie always great to talk with you
5: you too tony take care
1: all right keep up the good work folks check out the website tonyperkins.com and don't go away because we're coming back with more washington Watch right after this
6: what is roe versus wade and what did it do The Supreme Court's 1973 decision ruled that abortion is protected under the U.S. Constitution, striking down many state abortion restrictions and severely limiting the extent to which states could write their own abortion laws. The Supreme Court's limitations on states to legislate abortion restrictions depends on the trimester of a pregnancy. For instance, Roe disallows states from restricting abortions in the first trimester, but allows some restrictions on abortions in the third trimester. What Roe doesn't do is require states to have any restrictions. Abortion through all nine months of pregnancy is the default, unless Congress or the individual states pass laws restricting it. That leaves a lot of room for unrestricted abortions. For a full explanation of how Roe versus Wade liberalized abortion laws, go to frc.org explainer. That's frc.org explainer. After the recent wave of media censorship, are you struggling to find a conservative, relevant, and Christian platform where you can find out what's really going on? Here at Family Research Council, we believe that Americans have a right to exercise their freedom of speech and share their stories with the world. If you're ready to hear the facts that the left doesn't want you to know about, then head over to FRCblog.com to check out our latest blog posts. We cover a wide range of issues you and your family care about, all written by our policy, government affairs, and biblical worldview experts. We discuss topics that other media platforms won't, like changes in pro-life policy, current events that affect Christians internationally, sexuality from a biblical perspective, and insights into the bigger picture of the shift in American culture. To stay up to date on current news related to faith, family and freedom visit frcblog.com that's frcblog.com
7: would you like to spend more time in god's word then join family research council on an exciting journey through the bible with their stand on the word bible reading plan frc's two-year bible reading plan helps you to approach daily bible reading with an intentional focus of diving deeper into the nature of god and how his word speaks into cultural issues By studying the Bible, we can see the grandeur of God unfold throughout the past. This reading plan takes you through the Bible as events happen in history. Laying out the scripture every day in an engaging manner, it is key to helping us stay grounded in God's truth. All wisdom comes from God, and he has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. Start reading today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible.
1: Welcome back to Washington Watch. Tony Perkins, the website, TonyPerkins.com. Check it out. Lots of resources there for you. And if you happen to miss anything on your way home, it's all archived there at TonyPerkins.com. All right. HHS Secretary Javier Becerra announced today an update regarding the enforcement and interpretation of Obamacare Section 1557, indicating it will now interpret discrimination on the basis of sex to include sexual orientation, And gender identity with me now to talk about what this means for doctors and hospitals that disagree with the transgender ideology and the radical left's agenda is Roger Savarino, senior fellow and director of the HHS accountability projects at the ethics and public policy center. And he was a former director of the civil rights section there at HHS. Robert, Roger, welcome to Washington Watch. Glad to be back, Tony. All right. So, what's the problem, Roger, with this uh, update that uh, Secretary Becerra has
4: announced today? Where to begin? Because there's so many problems. First, it doesn't follow any legal process whatsoever. It's just an announcement, essentially a press release, saying that they're going to now enforce a transgender mandate that has been a subject of litigation for years. When I was at the Trump administration, we spent years actually following the process, getting hundreds of thousands of comments and rolling back on Obama era transgender mandate that would have forced hospitals to provide sex reassignment surgeries against their will. So we followed the process, even the Obama administration followed the process. But now with Becerra and you have activists like Dr. Rachel Levine at HHS pushing this transgender ideology, they're doing it with a wave of hand, a flick of the wrist. We're announcing we're going to be enforcing these rules, no process, no public input whatsoever It is a form of lawlessness, and the American people should stand against it.
1: So, um, I mean, that was an issue that people complained about in the Trump administration. It was so slow to get rid of some of Obama's radical policies, but that's because you followed the law, and that's the way it is in rulemaking.
4: They just completely ignored the law in this case? Absolutely. I mean, we are governed, unfortunately, by agency actions, by regulations, by rules, by unelected bureaucrats. At the very least, Congress put a break in there, and that's the rulemaking process. It allows for the public to participate, for people to let their rulers, which is the federal bureaucrats, know how it's going to impact them personally. So we took the comments, we responded, we followed the rule of law, and we undid the transgender mandate. Biden, Becerra, and Levine are saying, none of that matters. The people's voice doesn't matter. We're going to do what we're going to do. And worse than that, we're not even going to tell you how exactly we're going to impose the transgender mandate. How many genders do they believe there are? How many pronouns do we need to be using in hospitals and in science? They're not going to tell us. But they are going to have this loaded gun saying if you receive HHS funds, Medicare and Medicaid or research at universities, you have to follow this new transgender ideology. But we're not going to tell you what exactly that means. You're just going to have to wait and see when we take enforcement actions to try to take away your federal funds. That's not the rule of law. That's sandbagging. That's lack of transparency. That's an abuse. Because I think they're afraid of the blowback they're going to get when they start enforcing this mandate against people of goodwill.
1: Uh, so, Roger, I want to get into the the substance of what they're saying they're going to do, but I, I just want to ask one final question on the, the the rulemaking
4: portion. This would be susceptible to lawsuits, I would assume. Oh, absolutely. And more than just a procedural foul, this is about following court orders. There's an actual injunction in place in a District court in Texas that said you cannot impose a transgender mandate. It violates the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. It violates the APA. It's contrary to law. They can't just simply act as if that injunction doesn't exist, right? The Obama administration respected that injunction. They didn't enforce the transgender mandate. The Trump administration respected it, did rulemaking, followed the rules. And here they're just thumbing their nose at the courts. And this is breaking norms. The Biden administration is breaking norms left and right in the name of a very radical gender ideology. And if you don't get along, um, you're going to face losing federal funds. That's what it's coming down to.
1: Well, far from being a moderate, uh, this is a radical administration. Let's talk about the substance here very quickly. This would affect medical uh, professionals who now will be forced to engage in this uh, charade that many are playing. But it has health implications as well as livelihood implications.
4: Oh, absolutely right. Healthcare, science, medicine are based on a biological reality of male and female. That's what it comes down to. People react differently to drugs based on their sex. We have entire wards dedicated for labor and delivery for biological females. Uh, The practice of OBGYNs is based on those realities. All that is at risk of being swept aside in the name of an unscientific ideology that's trying to wipe those all away and say they're just social constructs. That's ultimately what this comes down to. They will couch this in terms of anti-discrimination, but when the rubber meets the road, what is this actually going to do? It's going to say doctors and scientists have to ignore biological realities, treat people precisely as they self-identify in everything, including requests for surgeries, uh, sex reassignment, removal of healthy reproductive organs, whether or not a doctor thinks it's bad medicine or it's against their religious beliefs or their moral convictions. If somebody says, I identify this way and I need you to use your medical skills to do this sterilizing surgery on me, tough luck according to this new edict from Biden and uh, Becerra, hospitals and doctors have to follow it regardless of their beliefs.
1: I would imagine that there are going to be a number of religious-based uh, healthcare providers that are going to push back on
4: this. At least I would hope so. Oh, absolutely. And they are the ones who had sued and got those injunctions. I would hope that they push hard and bring this attention to the judges Because you can't be throwing around these threats willy-nilly at people without any rulemaking process, putting doctors under the gun, putting medical practitioners, insurance companies, and researchers who now have to wonder, what if I use the wrong pronoun? Am I going to lose all all my Medicare and Medicaid funds? Uh, What if I actually treat somebody according to their biology if it differs from what they state their gender identity is? Are they going to be somehow liable in that case? And what if... I'm being asked to treat minors, to do sex reassignment surgery and remove healthy organs. And I disagree with that. Am I going to get an investigation from HHS and the weight of the federal government against me to try to shut down that person's medical practice? All these questions are now wide open because of this action today. And I would expect lawsuits to follow. Uh,
1: insanity. Uh, it, it, not only is it ru- ignoring the rule of law, but it absolutely makes no sense. Uh, Roger Severino, thanks so much for uh, for joining us today. My pleasure, Tony. Find out more about this, uh, go to TonyPerkins.com. You can follow the links over to uh, to Roger and the work that he does at the Ethics and Public Policy Center. Also, if you're not getting my daily update, we, uh, we provide more about this today in our Washington update. You can find that at TonyPerkins.com as well. Stick with us. We're coming back
0: after this.
6: where do you get your news do you have confidence you're getting the full truth if you want to stay up to date on conservative news and are looking for christian resources to help you stay politically engaged then download family research council's stand firm app with all of our content available at your fingertips you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day the stand firm app will give you access to a variety of resources such as our most recent radio programs, social media posts, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. Stay informed with a trusted source. Again, search Stand Firm to download the Stand Firm app.
3: As the political and cultural landscape of our nation has shifted in a concerning direction, it is so important for Christians to be equipped with biblical answers for the difficult questions of our time. That is why Family Research Council created our Biblical Worldview series. With the political left changing definitions to favor their narrative and to push their agenda, at times it can be hard to decipher what is true. That is why we must hold to the truth of the Bible, which stands the test of time. It holds the truth that does not change. Become equipped to stand firm in the face of cultural and political storms with FRC's Biblical Worldview series. This series dives deep into what the Bible says about some of the most crucial issues of our day. You'll learn what the Bible teaches on abortion, same-sex marriage, the separation of church and state, religious freedom, and the age-old question, should Christians be involved in politics? To access this series, visit frc.org slash worldview. That's frc.org slash worldview.
1: Tony Perkins, and you're listening to Washington Watch, the website, TonyPerkins.com. Lots of options on how you can listen to Washington Watch. Not only on we, are we on about 800 radio stations, we've got a couple of uh, video platforms as well now, his channel, uh, and Liftable Media. You can go to TonyPerkins.tv to find out more about that. Uh, before I get into the next topic, uh, it's about promise keepers. Uh, well, let me just go ahead and, and move into it Promise keepers um, I'm sure you are very familiar with it. I went to uh, actually the first event the first stadium event they did in Boulder, Colorado uh back in the early nineties. My father took me we went a great event and I remember that uh, there were a handful of people like maybe six or seven people protesting out front uh This is early nineties. And I remember leaving uh, Denver, and the front page of the paper had a little little picture of the stadium with fifty thousand men in it, and a big picture about six people protesting promise keepers. Well, so some things never change. Uh, The the the, the names change, but the intentions do not. Uh, The cancel culture always looking uh, for its next victim. And one columnist at USA Today is trying to point fingers at promise keepers. The Uh, The movement that uh, began making, it it began making a comeback last summer. It drew over uh, 750,000 men for its digital global gathering. Well, this summer, July the 16th through the 17th, the group is looking to draw 80,000 men for its in-person 2021 men's conference uh, in Arlington, Texas. And in fact, General Boykin is going to be one of those. Carter Conlon, who's a member of our board, will be there. Uh, But Mike Friedman, the race and Inequality editor at USA Today Sports is hoping that pressure will be applied to AT&T and those with influence at the stadium, uh, home to Dallas Cowboys, to make it, the event that is, disappear. He says, quote, AT&T would be helping to mainstream hate speech if it allowed the event to be held at the stadium. Uh, Because the president of Promise Keepers, Ken Harrison, is calling upon men to stand up and act like men and he joins us now to explain why ken welcome to washington watch hey tony it's good to see you so you're asking men to stand up and act like men it's horrific that's <laughs> that's, that's that's unbelievable
0: yeah it, it, you know we, we stand for biblical marriage we stand for the definition of male and female according to the bible and uh we don't want to exclude anybody um, that that's the, the source of the attack is that people aren't going to be welcome. We're saying bring everybody. Everybody wants to hear the gospel. Anybody who Jesus would have preached to, we want to preach to. So everyone's welcome to come. But we are going to be preaching the gospel clearly and authentically. And I did have one leader call me and say that he wanted us to assure him that nobody would be offended at our event. And I said, we're going to preach the gospel. So if no one's offended, then we didn't do a very good job. So there you go.
1: I mean, it, it's it's amazing to me in, in a culture that is um, having so many problems. I mean, when you look at what happened throughout uh, last summer and the the implosion in our cities, the rioting, the lawlessness, the lack of godly men and the influence in our homes that an organization that, you know, has a a pretty good track record of standing up and calling men to be godly men and affecting marriages, families over this uh, two and a half, three decades that they've been around, how can that be controversial?
0: You know, I I was a policeman in Los Angeles in South Central L.A. back in the 80s and 90s in the Watts-Compton area, and I saw what happens when boys are not raised by fathers. And you know, I would tell people all the time. They ask me what was it like to be in the middle of the Crips and Bloods gang wars. And I say, you know, you had ninety percent of the people who were really good people. Um, it was a very Christian, church-going culture of South Central LA, held hostage by ten percent of violent, angry, um, driven young men with no discipline. And that's where we're heading unless men start to don't start to raise their kids. And have biblical values and start to uh, be unpopular with their kids every once in a while because they stand for what's right. Because um, what we're seeing now in, in the culture and in the press is that 13, 14-year-old kids should know better about what they should do than adults. And, and they don't. That's one thing I have seen over and over in life is that kids need adults to guide them and to make, help them to make wise choices. You know, I, I
1: had to chuckle a little bit when I read the uh, the article from uh, USA Today, the the opinion piece that you know the football uh, Dallas Stadium football uh, Dallas owner uh, Jerry Jones should reject a men's conference. Number one, men and football seem to go together. Uh, and then they, they call on AT and T to reject uh, as the, the 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 namesake for the studio, for the uh, stadium to to reject the promise keepers. I mean, they're they're about communication. And this is what this is about free speech. It's about communication. It's just the irony there. Uh, I don't know. How, it, it, it just the cancel culture will not stop. Uh, I, I wonder, though, ha- have you heard from the Dallas Cowboys? Have you heard from AT&T? Are they getting uh, are they getting uh, wobbly on you?
0: They're not. Uh, they've been great. They've been great so far. They haven't specifically addressed the USA Today article, but they called us about two weeks ago when a bunch of flack started over my comments about Standing up for biblical marriage, they've been great to us, and uh, I have nothing negative to say about them at all. And uh, good, you know, I do think part of the promise keepers thing. I mean, Tony, you were there, you saw the power of 50,000 men singing "Amazing Grace," yeah. and how good they yeah, are. Yeah, it right? was powerful.
1: Hey, Ken, we're up, we're up against a break. We're up against a break. Will you stay right there with me? Sure, sure. All right, stay right there. We're up against a break because I want to, I want to continue this conversation. Uh, because I want men to know how they can be a part of Promise Keepers. I'm glad to see that it's making a comeback. Uh, Appreciate your leadership, your bold leadership, and not backing down in the face of the cancel culture. So so we're going to continue that conversation. Folks, stick with us, because on this side of the break, uh, Ken and I are going to finish our conversation. David Clawson is going to be joining us as well, talking about as believers in the age of the cancel culture, how do we respond to biblical masculinity, biblical morality. We're going to talk about it. Don't go away. We're back after this.
2: Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day every day. Listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins to get honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world. Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday by tuning into Washington Watch on the American Family Radio Network. Spot Radio, the KTLW Radio Network, and independent Christian radio stations across the country. Or listen to the show when it works for you by visiting Tonyperkins.com.
3: Since the Supreme Court decided Roe v. Wade in 1973, over 60 million people are now missing from our country due to legalized abortion. Public opinion, our knowledge of law, and scientific advancements demonstrate that Roe should by no means be considered settled law. Roe is an abomination in our country's history. And it's time for the horrendous practice of legalized abortion to end. To learn more about the legal, historical, and cultural reasons to overturn Roe v. Wade, go to FRC.org Roe.
8: The Equality Act sounds like good legislation and something that ought to have bipartisan support, but it doesn't. Why? Because the Equality Act, paradoxically, would spur inequality. It is Trojan horse legislation that would hinder equality and would massively overhaul our federal civil rights framework. The stated purpose of the bill is to prohibit discrimination on the basis of sex, gender identity, and sexual orientation. The real effect of this bill would not be to eliminate discrimination, but to erase the freedom to hold a different opinion. The Equality Act would mandate government-imposed inequality by requiring acceptance of a particular ideology about sexual ethics, while leaving no room for legitimate public debate. Simply put, the Equality Act mandates an anti-life, anti-family, and anti-faith agenda throughout federal law and would be a disaster for all Americans. To learn more about the inequality of the Equality Act, visit frc.org
2: equalityact equality act. Since June of 2015, over 12,000 Christians have been killed in Nigeria. This violence has reached a point at which experts are warning of a progressive genocide specifically targeting Christians across Africa's largest and most economically powerful nation. Yet this violence often goes unreported in the media, and, if reported, is seriously downplayed. To learn more about what is actually taking place in Nigeria, along with other countries where Christians face persecution, visit frc.org slash Nigeria.
6: Did you know that Planned Parenthood is the biggest abortion supplier in the U.S.? According to Planned Parenthood's most recent annual report, it committed 354,871 abortions in fiscal year 2019, up by over 9,000 abortions since 2018. According to these numbers, Planned Parenthood aborted 972 babies every single day. To learn more about what Planned Parenthood is really doing, visit frc.org slash Planned Parenthood Facts.
1: This is Washington Watch. And the website, Tony dot com. Joining me, uh, Ken Harrison. He is the uh, president of Promise Keepers. We're talking about their event coming up July 16th and 17th in Dallas at the uh, well in Arlington, Arlington Stadium, uh, the uh, AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. Uh, Ken, so you, you were talking about the event at, at Promise Keepers uh, back at Boulder Stadium uh, I also went to the one, uh, the Million Man uh, March there in Washington, D.C., when uh, they, they descended uh, on on Washington. Uh, Promise Keepers has a storied history of reaching men, changing families and having an impact. So I, I, I don't want to cut you off on what you were talking about before, but I do want you to include this in your as you respond to this. What is the left afraid of when it comes <laughs> to Promise Keepers?
0: Yeah. So to complete the last thought, and that, because it goes right to the your question, which is that seeing fifty thousand men sing those songs, not only do you feel the power of the Lord collectively, as we're meant to feel the power of the Lord, but men are reminded they're not alone, and that's what they're afraid of. They don't want us to see that we're not alone. In mm-hmm. fact, that millions and millions of people love Jesus, they love Scripture, they love the biblical way of life, and. They want to keep us divided. They keep on telling us that we're defeated. Just just sit there, be complacent, and uh, we won't bother you. And we're saying, no, we're, we're going to start to rise up and stand for Christ. Where did the Bible ever tell us we were supposed to be popular or convenienced or comfortable? In fact, Jesus promised us that if we were really standing up for Scripture, we would have enemies. And I ask Christian men all the time, do you have any enemies? If you don't, maybe you're not doing it right. I mean, Tony, you have enemies. Terry Boygan has enemies. I have enemies. Yeah, <laughs> a few of them. Yeah,
1: but you know, I, you you really hit it on the head. Uh, I, I I think they want us to feel like we're alone because when you're alone, typically not not all men, but typically, you know, as as we're described as sheep, we go silent. Uh, we we become easily intimidated when we're alone, but when we're together, courage breeds courage. And when you've got the courage to live out biblical truth in a very hostile culture, that is contagious. And I think you're absolutely right. I think that's what they're afraid of.
0: Well, it's like, you know, you're an ex-Marine, right? I mean, you look at how small the Marine Corps is, but how incredibly effective they are at fighting wars because these are men who are highly disciplined, who understand what the goal is, and they stick together and go for it. But the church today has been so divided. And I say this to pastors all the time. I was just speaking to a huge pastors conference last week. If you look at when the Americans started to go west from the Civil War and take land from the native tribes, the Blackfeet still kept fighting with the Sioux and the Arapaho kept fighting with the Cheyenne. And one day they woke up and all their land had been taken and their freedom was gone. And if we as the church don't start to unify and stop arguing about silly little things and start to pay attention to what's important in God's eyes, the same thing's going to happen to us. And so that's what we're doing. That's what the left is afraid of, is they don't want to see us unified and stand strong because we are really a powerful force for the Lord and for our children. If we would just unify, stop arguing about nonsense and stick together.
1: You know, I, I look back on uh, those big events that I attended, uh, you know, in, in Boulder, Um and I, I, I knew what was going on in culture. I was actually a, I was a television reporter at that time uh, in, in Baton Rouge, and I, you know, I remember the trends. That was during the, the Clinton ad, administration, and, and we saw the things happening there. I mean, things are a lot worse uh, here as we're in uh, 2021. How critical is this moment in terms of men, Christian men, being bold, being courageous, and living out their Christian faith?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. You think about this will be the first major gathering in the world after COVID. If we if we sell out, that's eighty thousand men will be together. And imagine the statement to the whole world who's wondering what happened to America when they see American men getting together to worship Jesus. And I would just say to all the women out there who are watching, forty five percent of the tickets that were bought in the nineties were bought by women to send their husbands and their sons to this event because. We are not teaching misogyny. We're not teaching chauvinism. We're teaching men to lay down their lives, to be godly leaders to their family, to teach their children the word of God, to cherish and love their wives. The stories we have of men coming home and, and going to their wives and saying, oh, baby, I am so sorry. I had no idea how screwed up I was. There are just there's thousands and thousands of repaired marriages and kids who are blessed by their fathers who had been alcoholics or workaholics or whatever, abusive who are utterly changed. That's what Promise Keepers about. It's amazing that anybody would be threatened by that.
1: You're, you're absolutely right. And so many women after, I mean, I went to multiple uh, men's conferences, regional we went one in Dallas, we'd go to them in new Orleans you know, we've just, that was a men's thing. You would go and the wives would say, Hey, there's a Promise Keepers event coming up. Why don't you go? Uh, maybe building on the improvement from the last one. So, you know, it, it, it's beneficial to the family. But you know what I think and I don't I'm not going to say this is intentional by those on the left, Uh, maybe by some, I don't know. But the stronger the family is, the less chaos we have in society, the less chaos, the less government we need and the less power that is extracted from
0: the family, the church and the local community and consolidated in the hands of bureaucrats. I think you just answered your question from the last segment why what are they so threatened by? But um PromiseKeepersEvent.org is where you can go to the event. And I would just say, men, if you if you're gonna come, you will be blessed. Don't just come by yourself. Bring your friends, bring your neighbors, bring your sons. We gotta start sticking together and not be I got mine. So bring a group of guys. So so far, we've gotten a huge turnout. In fact, we've been sold out to the COVID limits, and and Governor Abbott just lifted them a few days ago. So we just now are able to sell tickets again. And um, there's a whole bunch to do with your sons, too. The Texas Rangers baseball stadium is next door. There's a water park next door. Six Flags, the amusement park is next door. It's a whole man event. So come out and worship Christ with us on Friday night and then Saturday morning and early afternoon. And I promise you, your life will be changed, especially when – when you hear Tony and I's good friend General Boykin speak, that's a that's an adventure all by itself. He's a living American hero, isn't he, Tony?
1: He absolutely is. It is uh, the lineup is fantastic. It's going to be a great event. Uh, Ken, thanks for for standing firm. I was so encouraged uh, to see you leading this and to uh, not not wavering one bit. So we're going to be praying for its success and encouraging people to be there and be a part of it. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate it. All right, so good to talk to you, Ken. Ken Harrison with uh, Promise Keepers. To find out more, go to the website, TonyPerkins.com. And uh, and, and by the way, um, we've got uh, we've got our own men's event coming up, Stand Courageous, Men. We've got one. Uh, we're doing about four major events a year. Uh, we did one out in Southern California a couple of months back. We've got another one coming up in uh, in June, June 19th. It's in... Colorado in Woodland Park at Karis uh, Bible College. To find out more about how you can be a part of that, if you're in the area, go to TonyPerkins.com. All right, how should we as believers respond to this hostility towards biblical morality and biblical masculinity? Uh, joining me now to talk more about this, David Claussen director of the Center for Biblical Worldview here at the Family Research Council. David, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me, Tony. Uh, you just heard my conversation with, uh, with Ken as we were talking about the promise keepers, the pushback that they have gotten. I mean, re- quite frankly, David, anything we do today that is in alignment with the Bible, with Scripture, with biblical teaching, it's going to run into resistance. We just have to get accustomed to that.
9: No, You're right, Tony. Uh, recently in my own Bible reading, I've been going through the Gospel of John. And when you get to chapters 15 and 16, uh, Jesus is there at the Last Supper. He, he's talking to his disciples, and he tells them that they can expect persecution. And, you know, I, I've read those chapters my whole life, Tony. But it just seems more and more that what Jesus was talking about is is applicable. Uh, you, you see it all over the place. When someone takes a stand for what Christians believe about human life or marriage or human sexuality... Uh, you're the, the the people who come out to to cancel you to call you a bigot to say that you have subversive views it just is it's, it's the the frequency is increasing and uh this example with promise keepers uh, uh, a a great men's ministry that my dad took me to when i was a boy and a teenager uh you know promise keepers is a, a mainstream christian's men's men's ministry they they're not a hate group by any uh, definition whatsoever, and uh, but th- this is a great example of
1: the the cancel culture at work. Yeah, you know that's so true. You're talking about reading scripture, and you know Jesus warning uh, first off. You know if you're going to follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross, an instrument of death. Uh, he in in John, as you talks about, he he, uh, he goes through it. He says, you know, I've told you all this so that you'll you'll have peace. Yeah, I mean after you tell us all these bad things is going to happen, but he's warning us ahead of time. He doesn't want us to be disturbed when it happens. Therefore, he said, "I've warned you about all of this, so that when it happens, you're not going to be upset. You're just going to know that hey, you're doing the right thing." And you know, we saw that as a part of the New Testament church. Yeah. And and for so long, Christianity has been kind of the the cultural default of our nation, but it's no longer that way. And so I I think resistance, opposition, uh, this the, these attacks are, are not the the are not abnormal i think they're the norm i think it is it is what we just have to get accustomed to going forward
9: no, no you're right tony we could cite a whole bunch of uh, studies you know pew research just came out and said for the first time that they've been doing the polling uh, less than 50 percent of americans actually attend church uh, i think the more revealing statistic that i've cited on your show before uh, our colleague george Barnes says that only six percent of americans have what you could call a biblical worldview which means that they see the world through the lens of scripture and if you think about that, if only six percent of Americans uh, are thinking through things from the perspective of the Bible, that means our views on these contested issues are increasingly going to not just be seen as weird or outdated. They're actually going to be seen as mean spirited and bigoted, which is why the the, the, the Hollywood, the, the people on the secular left, are increasingly ratcheting up the rhetoric that again Christians not shouldn't just be pushed out of. Uh, The public square, they they should be actively silenced. They should be canceled. And again, that's what you see here with the example of uh, this writer for USA Today saying that, you know, promise keepers, uh, AT&T and and the Dallas Cowboys need to kick them out of the, the stadium because they're mainstreaming hate speech again, mainstreaming hate speech. There, he's just referring to the biblical view that's been upheld for 2,000 years on what marriage is, on what human sexuality is. That's not hate speech. That's just what the Bible teaches uh, about these about marriage and sexuality that God has given us for our flourishing. But again, this is the technique that the cancel culture is using. So we need to be people that expect this to happen.
1: Yeah, and and, and you know to, to be to be very clear on this. You know the the idea that at Promise Keepers they're going to be talking about um, you know the LGBTQ agenda and all of that stuff is is, is nonsense. I, it, I'm sure it may come up, but only in passing. The focus is going to be on Christian men living their lives according to biblical teaching. And I, I want to get you to comment on something that that Ken said that. I thought was very, very insightful. He talked about what they're really afraid of is men getting together. That's really the element of community. That's what we saw missing in this last year as churches would, were shut down. Talk a moment about the importance of building community for believers.
9: Now, Tony, you and I, are as believers, we are created for community. I'll, I'll never forget it. It was in 2003 when my dad took me to my first Promise Keepers event, and the, 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 the gentleman gave a, an amazing gospel presentation and invited men to come forward to the stage to give their lives to Jesus. And for a moment or two, nothing happened and Then I remember one lone man got up and made the lonely trek down to the front of the stage to give his life to the lord and, and Within moments, that stage was flooded uh, of men repenting of their sin, uh, wanting to uh, confessing that they wanted to be better fathers uh, and, and better husbands and Again, my dad took me throughout the entire time I was growing up, and that it taught me what it means to be a, a A man who loves the Lord, who wants to pursue God's word. And just that community with Christian men, it made an impact on me uh, that has formed who I am today. And uh, I think that's what you said about the church. That's exactly why it's so important to be, now that churches are reopening for all believers, men and women, uh, to be gathering weekly. Uh, this is this is God's design for us in community. This is why in Hebrews it says we shouldn't forsake gathering together. And so I think the, the, the point you're making, Tony, on community it is vital in the life of every believer. You
1: know, it was almost amusing if you see one of the... Um the messages that has been used throughout the coronavirus is stronger together, uh, stronger together, but we are separated. It's like, it's like James. Uh, it's like, uh, you know, we, we, we hear the word, but we don't do it. Uh, what the power is in the doing, we are stronger together. And that's what I think the world is concerned about. Those that would rather see confusion, chaos, consolidating power, they would rather us not be together the very reason we need to be together.
9: Yeah, that's well said, Tony. And one thing I'll just quickly say is on this issue of marriage and sexuality, it is a contested issue, which is why I wrote this little booklet in our biblical worldview series that anyone that has questions on marriage and sexuality, how should we respond? Uh, you can go to FRC.org slash worldview and get all of our worldview resources that we have here at Family Research Council.
1: All right. David Clawson, always great to talk with you, and we'll encourage people to to get a copy of that. Very helpful. Thank you, Tony. And folks, I do want to encourage you to uh, to go to TonyPerkins.com, and you can uh, download a copy of that. Lots lots of resources, actually. David's putting together in our Center for Biblical Worldview uh, to help you navigate this increasingly complex and hostile culture. But but as Jesus said, we can have peace in the midst of it. When the when the, the the lies are being spoken, the attacks are coming. All right, fine. That just means that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, and we're praying, we're standing, we're advocating, and we Our, our goal and our mission is to see others to co- others to come to the freedom that is found only in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if we grow silent, if we grow silent, some will never hear. Folks, thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul, found in Ephesians 6, where he says you've done everything you can do and you've prayed, prepared, and taken your stand. By all means, keep standing.